But studies show if you compare people that are picking individual accounts versus these passive index funds, index funds have historically performed better. And so it's no surprise when you fired your financial advisor and you started investing for yourself and you compared the difference, you're already performing better. (laughs) Attention is power and creators harness it better than anyone else. But they're not using that attention to create the biggest impact possible and are vastly under monetized. Hi, I'm Rachel Rogers. My co-host Nathan Barry and I believe you can be a billion dollar creator. Sound impossible? Over the last 10 years, we've followed each other on our own quest to build billion dollar companies. We've studied creators and seen how entrepreneurs build traditional audiences and use them as a launching pad for a massive business. And it got us thinking, if it can happen for them, it can happen for us. And if it can happen for us, then why not you? Billion Dollar Creator is a show teaching creators how to capture attention and turn it into real wealth. We will deep dive into brands, celebrities, and entrepreneurs who have done it before and show you how you can apply it to your business as an everyday creator. Join us weekly as we learn from both the wild successes and the missed opportunities, the grand gestures, and the integral mistakes. And through that, help you become an expert at building your audience on your journey as a billion-dollar creator. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Creator. Today, we have a very special treat. I am so excited to be talking to Christina and Amon Browning of the YouTube channel, Our Rich Journey. They are incredible entrepreneurs and investors who have become time billionaires, okay? So being a billionaire with dollars is not the only option. You could become a time billionaire, which means that your time is your own. You get to spend every minute, every hour, every second of your life doing only what you feel like doing and it not being connected at all to your ability to pay bills, right? Imagine if you had all the money that you possibly needed to enjoy your life and you get to wake up every day and say, what do I feel like doing? That is what is true for Christina and Amon, and they're going to share exactly how they did this, what it looks like, their exact details of their investment strategy they are sharing in this episode, whether it's investing in the stock market, investing in real estate, building and selling a business. We're talking about all of it in this episode, and I am so excited to introduce you to them. They also just happen to have a YouTube channel with almost 700,000 subscribers, over 30 million views. They have an incredible business as well. And yet their time is completely their own and they were retired by 39 years old. Can you even imagine? Listen, it sounds so good. Here's the thing though. It is actually doable and I'm so excited for you to hear this. So this episode is in front of a live studio audience of my clients. These are my mastermind clients that are all making millions of dollars themselves and learning about these financial strategies to really become a time billionaire as well as have lots of money, right? So get into this episode. You are going to love it. You're going to learn so much. And I'm so excited to hear what you think of this incredible episode with Christina and Amon Browning of Our Rich Journey. Please enjoy. So when we started researching about investing and really thinking about like, how do we actually get to fire. How do we get to this point where we're government employees, we can quit our jobs and never have to work again, right? So we started thinking about investments and we discovered index funds and we discovered ETFs. And if anyone's unfamiliar with this, they're very, very similar. They're very similar. So I'll sort of talk about them synonymously. There are slight differences, but 
what they do is they hold a bunch of investments in one fund, a bunch of different companies in one fund, and they track a particular index or sector, like a tech sector or, or things like that. So like, for example, they have an S&P 500 index fund. An S&P 500 index fund, if you invest in that, then you invest in a portion of all of the companies on the S&P 500, which are the 500 largest companies in the U.S. stock market. So you're owning a portion of all of these companies. You don't have to go and say like, oh, I want to pick, let, let me research. How, how do I think Facebook's going to do in the future? How do I think Netflix is going to do in the future, right? It gives you a diversification in your portfolio so that if one company does really bad, and you invested in that single company, your money goes drops significantly. But if one company out of 500 does really bad, then you've got 499 other companies to do well. And you know, the stock market fluctuates significantly, right? So we learn to think about investing long term. So we're not saying we're going to put our money into S&P 500 right now. And then next year, we're going to take it all out. and We're going to put it in something else. The idea is long term, because if you look at investing, you're looking at the stock market, it goes like this and this and this, but it slowly goes like this and this and this, and it goes higher, right? But you have to think about it in the long term. But that's how we really got to fire was discovering index funds and ETFs, because it allowed us to invest in a broader range of investments without having to try and cherry pick what we think are the best ones, right? With all of the work that you'd have to put into individual investments, how difficult that can be versus doing something more passive like an index fund or an ETF. So I'm going to go back to what Rachel said about finding her her financial advisor, (laughs) right? Financial advisors will cherry pick investments for you. At a minimum, they'll be picking individual investments for you or they'll put you into a mutual fund, an actively managed mutual fund, not an index fund where it's passive and it's just tracking something. They're trying to like, you know, convince you that they're worth their money. So listen, I'm going to pick this for you and this for you. I'm going to put all this into your account, into your investment account. But studies show if you compare people that are picking individual accounts versus these passive index funds, index funds have historically performed better. And so it's no surprise when you fired your financial advisor and you started investing for yourself and you compared the difference, you're already performing better (laughs) than your financial advisor. And we read this book. It's called The Bogleheads Guide to Investing. It's uh, The Bogleheads Guide to Investing. Boglehead. It's B-O-G-L-E-H-E-A-D. Bogleheads Guide to Investing. It's a great book, especially for beginning investors. And it's so well-written, so clear. You could finish the book in a day. So in this book, though, it talked about the passive investing through index funds, through ETFs. And it taught, it, there was this really great story that it told about these Mensa investors, like Mensa, these people who have these insane IQ levels and you have to be invited to be a part of this group because you're so brilliant, right? They started an investment group and they were picking investment stocks, individual stocks and, you know, putting their brains together, thinking about the best investments for a portfolio. Well, they studied their picks compared to the total stock market, the return of the total stock market and the return of the total stock market, like an index fund that you can invest in, performs significantly better than these Mensa, you know, investment groups. And the Brainiacs. Than the Brainiacs, yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, part of this idea is understanding 
financial independence, understanding the amount of money that you need in order to get to financial independence, how to calculate it, but then also how to get there, right? If you're interested in investing in stocks, in bonds, if you want a portfolio, it's possible to do this by yourself. And it's possible to get rid of your financial advisors and to actually end up performing higher than your financial advisor in the process. That's counterintuitive, right? Yeah, yes. a fin- financial advisor, they will have investing appear like it's supposed to be this hard, arduous thing. They're doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're working all this magic. When, like Christina said, if you just keep up with the total return of the stock market, historically, the stock market has always gone up. You will do well over the long run. And for us, when we're thinking about living off our, our investments over the long run, we don't want no crazy volatility, right? We want to, <laughs> we want to know. Historically, how the stock market has performed, because that's how it's going to work out our money over the next 30, 40, 50 years that we're you know, alive and living off of our investment funds. This is going to probably prove your point, but we met with our like wealth manager because that's what all of my Westerners are telling me need to do. And we use someone that her people are using. And also, that's what I thought I was supposed to do until Rachel was telling me about firing you guys. And so I haven't given her any money yet. Um, and because I was asking, I was like, well, what percentage are you getting? And she was like, well, 6%. And I was like, and then you take percentages? She's like, no, that includes my fees. She got really awkward about it. And I was like, okay, like, I'll just end it here. But that is for, you guys are getting, what, 10 to 12 right now? Oh, uh, over 10 to 12 now because the market is doing so well, right? But say it's 10%, right, that the the market is returning. But then your advisor takes 6%. So we're going to take the 10% and then you get a 4%, right? That's just like... She was getting 6% returns. I think she's taking the 4%. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. But still, right, you'd have to... But yeah, but she's taking 4%. And the the, the power of compound interest is that... Over the years, that 4% or or however much they're taking really adds up, right? So we've gone and looked at people's portfolios over the same time period that that we've been investing, and their portfolios have a drag on them. They're not performing well because of the fees, because their financial advisors are taking 1% or 2%. Oh, it's only 1% or 2%. But over time, that compounds, and that is a significant amount of wealth that you're giving away to someone that is most likely underperforming. Yeah. So it's this financial literacy, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even like using that word financial literacy. It sounds, <laughs> but the more you get involved in this, when you go to talk to your financial advisors, you realize, you know, you can spot bullshit. You can charge me to buy it, and you can charge me to sell it. This is yeah. it, yeah. it's, it's outrageous. You know, one of the things about investing is that our parents before us they they didn't teach us anything about investing. And that's not their fault because they didn't know, they didn't have access to it. There's so many different factors. Now there's no excuse, right? The information is out there for you guys to just absorb it. And just like you know, just like you know how to open up a a Spotify account or how to create a playlist on on that, whatever the case is, Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) If you can can do all these things, you can buy a low cost index fund. Right. Mm-hmm. It is so simple. It is so straightforward. And I think I think it's really, really empowering because no one else is going to care about your money more than you. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing, too, is what you were saying. What you were saying is like when you were talking about, oh, you asked questions and things got awkward. Right. They, they want to pretend like they're doing the work that you can't do. Right. And I think 
Also, as entrepreneurs, it seems sort of counterintuitive to think the less work that I put in, the greater return I can get, right? The less work by putting it into, for example, a total stock market index fund, putting your money into that and letting it grow. It's so passive versus, wait, as an entrepreneur, I've learned that the more work I put into my business, I can expand my business. The more I can put into it, you know, work with other people and the energy that I put into it. It can reflect in the returns of my business, right? But it's so the exact opposite when you're investing, when you're investing, because there are passive ways to invest where you can own everything in the total stock market if you want to, and you can have your returns reflect the returns of the market. Now, of course, the market, like I said, it's going to be fluctuating up and down, but the market has always consistently gone up over the long run. So if you're thinking about long-term investments, then tracking the total stock market is a passive way to get those long-term investments and to grow your money versus giving your money to an advisor. Yeah. Because historically, I 12%, right? What's that? Historically, like on average, last 100 years, 12%. 10%. 10%. 10%. But, you know, the 12% is like, you know, it goes up. Sometimes it's 12 or more, way more, right? And sometimes it's under. But yeah, that helps you invest your money where it's not in a savings account, not even keeping up with inflation. But over the long term, it's growing and it's compounding and you're getting dividends and you're reinvesting those. And that's helping your portfolio grow. So let's start back at the beginning. What made you start this fire journey? Like, when did you hear of it? And what made you change your entire lives behind this journey? Yeah. Mm. This guy here. <laughs> He's the one who came up with it. You know, a lot of times when we talk to couples, it's like one person discovers something and then brings the other person. Yeah, then you board, have to sell right? it. Yeah, yeah. To me. <laughs> I don't have to sell it. Yeah, yeah. That was, the, that, that was the thing. Yeah, That's always been the thing about our relationship is that we always, you know, that first impression makes such a big difference. So can I, can I tell you? Yeah. Okay. So when, when I came home from work, it was just, it was a rough day. Yeah. And I came home to Christine and I said, we got to figure out, we got to figure out something else. And when I said, I've been thinking if there's a way that we can, and I'm, I'm so abstract, if there's a way that we could, you know, live off of our investments or, or try to develop some sort of real estate, something like that. And Christina Christina said, okay, okay. She was listening. She said, I'm, I'm liking what I, what I hear. I said, basically, I want to quit my job, right? I want to retire early. This was before the fire movement. This was in 2011 or something. Well, so, so, whispers of the fire movement. Wh- whisper, yeah. whisper of the fire movement. And Christina is all about putting a plan together, action. And so when I came to her with this abstract idea, she put it on paper. Boom, 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 boom. I love it. This is how we can do it. Yeah, but you know what I think is important too, because I want to go back to this, because if you guys have, you know, partners that you have to try and convince about this, I think one of the things that was, is so helpful with us is that when he said, I want to retire before I'm 40, like who says that, right? You're like, what? That I don't even know if I knew anyone who had retired at that point. My mom was still working. So it was like, before you're 40, people can think like that, right? And to me, like one of the things that helps us move forward as a couple, as a partnership is is saying yes at first, right? Thinking of how do we get to yes? If I'm like, we don't know how to invest, you know, we're government employees. You know, there's so many reasons why you can say no, that if you start from, 
okay, let's figure out how we can actually get let's to Let's explore yes. that. Yeah, right. Okay, this is a tangent, <laughs> but I have to say this for this group. So we did a session when we were at Miraval. Does this sound familiar to those who are at that workshop? So we did a workshop about couples and sex. <laughs> and it was like the same thing. It was like, start with a yes, and then say, under these conditions. <laughs> right? And this sounds like the same thing. You're saying, yes. However, <laughs> let's put a plan in place and let's agree on what the plan's going to be. So it's like, I'm seeing a theme here when it comes to like relationships and navigating life with a partner. It's like being open to the idea, right? Exactly. Being open to exploring it and saying, let's come up with a plan. Let's make it work for both of us. Right. You know, so it works for sex, works for finances. Yeah. <laughs> Works for dreams. How how frustrating can that be? Like, just even thinking about in your businesses, right? If you have a business partner and you have these incredible ideas that you want to implement, and you tell your business partner, and they're like, "No, that's not going to work," and you just shut down constantly and constantly and constantly, it drags on you, and you don't feel that support of like, okay, well. I mean, I either do it alone or I just, let's, let's try and think of something else that you'll agree with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think it's about having that mindset too. I think that pursuing financial independence has a lot to do with mindset. Just having this positivity as you approach things and figuring out how to get to yes. Like I, I went to law school and I read this book and it, it I think it was actually called get how to, to yes. yeah, get to yes and get to yes. I right? read that book too. At, right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. You know, there's these different routes that you can take, right? But how do you get to the end route, which is yes, right? How do you get to where you want to actually be? And so I think when you embrace this mindset of positivity, and it can be hard if you're, you know, originally you're just like, uh, this, this seems like really hard. Maybe you don't have the confidence in doing particular things, right? Surround yourself with people that have the confidence for you, too, yes. right? I always talk about like, there's this thing when we are in our circle, our family, people that we really love, we will talk them up so much. Like, oh, you're so amazing. Like our daughter, Sanoa, just had a basketball game last night. She was incredible. We're like, man, you killed it. You did so good, Sanoa, right? We have so much faith that we put in our loved ones, but we had to have that same type of love and support for ourselves also, yes. right? Like give, receive from yourself what you give to other people that you love to and have that confidence in yourself as well. That helps you create that mindset for success. I love that so much and totally agree. Okay. So you started, it sounds like you had a North star, which was, I got to get the hell out of this job. Right. So tell us if you're willing, what were your jobs and how much were you making in your jobs or give us a range if, if you're willing so that we can get an understanding of, okay, this is where our starting point was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll start by telling you there were parts where I wasn't even working. I mean, I was almost like, so our daughters are now teenagers. I went to law school during the time. So for three years, I was a student. I was all on the journey. I wasn't making any money. And then after that, we moved to San Francisco and I worked in San Francisco. And then we. So you moved to the most expensive city in America. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the time in San Francisco, as a first year, I was making like 150. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that much. What, I think it, like, I feel like it was around one, 150. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, I, as a first year lawyer. Yeah, working yeah. Working at a big firm. Yeah, a first year lawyer working at a firm. But I had gone, you know, the three years uh, without working. But then after that, how long did we stay in San Francisco for two years? 
And then we moved abroad. We went to Japan and I took a significant pay cut because I worked for the federal government and I had already had my, you know, couple of years of experience. And then in Japan, I was making under 90, under 90,000. Yeah, I, I, I think over, over the course of our journey, how much we averaged at our jobs was I was probably around 90,000. Although not in San Francisco. Not, not in San Francisco. Yeah. We had a, but, but the majority of our, of our journey was, you know, we were like kind of all over the world. And I think I was around 90 and Christina was probably around, around the same. Yeah. The thing with working for the federal government, it's your, I don't know if anyone has experience knowledge with this, right? You're at a G it's called a GS level. And so you go in, it's not like you get to negotiate this huge start. Like I, I came from, you know, this salary, I want to get this. You don't get to do that. You come in and they give you like a, a set salary that you, that you fall into. And so one of the things that I think is really important too, that actually helped us grow was that I was in San Francisco. Then we moved to Japan, took a pay cut, but there were so many more opportunities for us. Right. So we got to live in Japan. We had our housing paid for, we had all our utilities paid for. We had this beautiful house in Japan right next to the ocean, you know, so there are things sometimes you think like this may not work, right? Because why would I, why would I want to take a downsize? You know, why would I want to cut things? But for us, we realized globally, you know, yeah, we're making a lot less money, but we're also not living in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. We're in Oakland. We're not working in San Francisco, having to drive in all that, all that time and having those Bay Area costs, yes. mm-hmm. right? So I think that that actually taking the pay cut helped us move forward. It helped us move forward because we were actually able to save more. We just, we were really creative. We invested in real estate also when we were in the Bay Area to just try and like supplement the high cost of living when we were in the Bay Area and then moving to Japan and having that pay cut and still being able to to reach this fire goal. Yes. I love your story because it also is not one of lack, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what people associate with fire. And that's why a lot of people are like, no, thank you. It's not for me. Yeah. Because they associate it with like, okay, we're going to live off of nothing. We'll like never have any conveniences, right? <laughs> like we'll save every single penny and live off of as little as possible so that we can eventually enjoy our lives. And your journey sounds like y'all were enjoying your lives, trying new things, having fun, traveling, living in new places, investing in real estate, flipping houses, right? Like trying all kinds of fun stuff. Like, so it's not this boring journey. It can be actually really fun. And it's just having the focus and like saying, where is there some money that I can, Uh which is a lot what I teach, right? I'm always teaching my clients like, find the money. Where is the money? Right? Like what expertise do you have that you could just sell? You know, you can start by just saying, pick my brain for $300. Right. And then that every time you get one of those $300, you put that in your investment account or whatever. Right. So it's like, it's all about like, where's, where's there some opportunity where we can take advantage of to add some extra income? Yeah. I think definitely, you know, when you're on your fire journey too, you're always looking for that opportunity. Your mindset switches. You have this positive mindset, but then you're also saying, Oh, I see an opportunity here. I see an opportunity here. Let's go try this opportunity. And so you're developing this like sense where everything is sort of snowballing, where you're getting opportunity after opportunity, because you're in that mindset where you're looking for these things, right? It it goes back to, to having that fire number, right? When you have that as a guiding light, you find ways to get to that. Yes. Get to that, get to that guide. And so our nine to five incomes, that that wasn't going to get us to financial independence. It was the stuff that we were doing outside of our jobs, the side hustles, the investments, 
all of these things, the, the, the real estate flipping. For us, we had to be very, very resourceful. And it was important that we took this journey on and had fun with it because we had very small children. And we didn't want to live that life of, of deprivation and, and, and scarcity and that rub off on our children or us mm. deprive our children of, of, of certain Such things. Such a good point. Right? Mm. And so for us, we made this journey really a family affair. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you've ever met our daughters or, or if, you've, if you've kept up with us, you know that they were a part of, of, of everything that we did. They're in their... Renovating, you know, renovating homes. homes with I us. I love it. They're in there decorating with us. And it was it was a fun activity. I would pick them up from, from school. I said, hey, we're going to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> After school program, it's Home Depot. <laughs> so, it, was, it was fun. That's so cool. Yeah. And they get to see, like, listen, we're all trying to get free. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're going to get free together, yeah. right? We, we got we all got two hands yeah. and can contribute in whatever small ways. And then they get to see what confidence it builds, right? Because then they get to see, like, oh, I built that cabinet. <laughs> or I stained that floor. Yeah. I painted that wall, right? And they get to see the finished product, and then you sell it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, look, we made money yeah. off my effort, right? Yeah. You know? And, and not only that, not only the, the efforts of being part of renovating the house and doing all these other things, they're investors also. They have their own investment accounts. They each have their own investment accounts. Right now, over 25000 each for both of them. It's like, okay, they get money from side hustles. They get money from their their allowance. Yes. They get money for birthdays. They get money for Christmas. You know, they're all thinking about, okay, putting, how do I they're, put that in, right? They've like, installed yeah. that mindset in their minds, right? Where they're like, grandma gave me money. Right. Opportunity, right? right? Like, <laughs> and, and you know what else we do too? We said, okay, we're going to be your 401k match. You put some money in, and we're gonna match that money. Oh, and they're I like, love that. You know, because our youngest is a bit of a saver, right? She'll have like hundreds of euro in a room. We're like, you need to, baby, you need to invest some of that. Money. <laughs> you don't need all that cash, like you know, like she got so, it tucked under her back. Right? <laughs> we're like, no, 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 we can do that it. here. We did not do that here. So we said, okay, well, how much are you gonna invest? Because we're gonna we're gonna match that investment. She's like, okay, that's how I start counting this out. But, you know, that's that incentive, incentive. And it's not just about, you know, giving them money. Here, here, we're going to match this. It's about really teaching them. Okay, when you're putting your money in, into these investment accounts, look at how this money grows. Look at what you're investing in. You don't even have to do anything. We have it, you know, it go, we put it into your account. It will automatically go and you make that money. We'll move it over for you automatically. You don't have to do anything. And then all of a sudden you're at, you know, I my goodness, I wouldn't have even dreamt at having $25,000 at their age when oh, I was a kid. Are you, you know, kidding like, me? Yeah. My mom didn't even I was 25. I was in third account. Yeah. Couldn't imagine $25,000. Right? right. <laughs> Twice yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, they're talking now about, okay, I could use this. I could buy a house with it. You know, I put a down payment on a house. Yeah. And when I go to university, what if I put use this money as a down payment? I get my roommates. They're going to pay for the money. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're exploring all it. these ways to, you know, get that wealth, grow that wealth, and, and get these assets associated with it. Oh, so good. Yeah, I love, I love it, it so much. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so how long did the journey take? So how long do you feel like you were on your fire journey until you hit that guiding light number? Yeah, that was about 10, a little less than 10 years. Now, I I, I would say like, don't use this as the number of like, I was going to oh, yeah. say less than 10 years is short. Right? Because when you consider, most people save 
for 40 years of work, yes, right? Yeah, or yeah. more. Yeah. To get to a retirement that usually they're not happy with. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you think about, okay, so the, the stock market was just on fire. I mean, like we were talking about yeah. average 10%, you know, annually, historically, mm-hmm. but we're talking about over 30%, you yeah. know, like all of these insane returns. It just seemed like it kept compounding greater and greater and greater. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, think about you're going to do this in less than 10 years. I mean, if, if the stock market performs amazingly, then that's of course possible. But, but I would but it's also right. Like just being in there. Exactly. Like right now, everybody exactly. talks about like, you know, the state of the economy and we're heading towards a recession. Great. This is a great opportunity yeah. to invest because yes. think of it as like the stock market is on sale right now. Yeah. Oh my, I'm so glad you said that because I think once you become mindful about your investments, once you decide, okay, I could do this myself, right? You start seeing those opportunities in the market where there's a crash. You're like, this is great for me. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. When you I'm in there. Right? <laughs> when you have your money with an advisor, you're like, what, what's going on? Like, why, like, why is my account down? Right? You see this as an incredible opportunity. If you consistently invest every single month or week or whatever your schedule is, right? Consistently investing. That means you're investing when it's high, when it's a low, you're capturing the average return of the market. But those times when it's the dip, when it goes down, You'll see as an investor, once you start doing it and you feel confident with your investments, you're like, wow, this is a great opportunity to invest. Whereas other people, when they don't really understand their investments or they don't feel comfortable with making their investments, they think, oh my gosh, my account is down. Everything just dropped. I need to pull out. And when you pull your money oh out, God, no. it's like a significant yeah. That's the loss, worst thing right? you could... I'm like, so yeah. wait a minute. The whole point of investing is just look away. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying is do nothing. <laughs> if I just do nothing, I will have more. Right, right. Wonderful. This right. is the best deal on earth, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People get so like emotionally attached to the number going up and down. I'm like, who cares? Like I, my account is going up and down every day. I just don't pay attention to it. I pay attention to over time what's happening. Over time, it's trending up. Yeah. So that's what's important, not the day to day. So if you're going to be obsessive and check it every day, it's almost like better not to, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Check it regularly, but maybe not every day. Yeah. Because you, and just like, because you're, you're basically asking, you're requiring yourself to stay calm, not touch things. Because if you take it out, like you've committed to those losses mm-hmm. now. Now you've made those losses real. Where mm-hmm. the losses aren't real yet, you still have the opportunity to go back up. So you just leave it. Yeah. And then what happens with those people, right? The market starts to go back up and they're like, Ooh, I'm going to get back in again. Right. You get in high, you get out low. (laughs) Exact opposite. I'll tell you, there was the big crash in March of 2020 with the market, right? It was like COVID Mm -hmm. and there was a big crash and people were like, what do I do? What do I do? So we said, Hey y'all, we're going to create this account. We'll invest some money in it. Look, we're, we're, we're creating this. We're going to show you guys. Put that money in. And people on the comments, like people who really follow us, who who know what we're doing, they're like, that's so great. That's so great that you're sharing this with people. Other people are like, y'all are catching a fallen knife. This is crazy. Why would you do this? Wait. It was such a small blip. It ended up being such a small blip of like maybe a month of down. And then it just shot right back mm-hmm. up. And then afterwards, people are like, that was so great. Like what, you know, how did you know? And we're like, you, and we told people it's down now and it can continue to go down. If it continues to go down, we're going to keep investing anyways. Either way we're investing. But if you don't have that mindset of like thinking, oh, this is an opportunity, right? I can, I can capitalize on this. Then you're in this situation where you're pulling money out low. And then when you start seeing it go back high again, then you're like, okay, now it's time to get back in. And it's like, that don't work because math. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's the thing. It's like, if you just put a thousand dollars in and watch it, because that's how I started. Mm-hmm. You just put a little bit of money in, put it in an index fund and just watch. And when you watch it, you're going to see what's happening over time. And you're going to be like, oh, and then you're going to be like, okay, I'm in now. Now I started with a thousand dollars once. Then I started putting four grand a month. Then I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. Then I started doing 10 grand a month, right? And then you just slowly increase it and it can be monthly. So I want y'all to think about how can I add this as a line item to my business every single month? I'm taking 10% off the top and putting it in an investment fund, right? So it's like you as the owner get a portion of the profits, take your profits. And I, by the way, this is what I teach my team to do as well. Like when we got our 401k, so there were a couple of people who didn't sign up and I was like, What's happening? Why are you not in there? Yeah. Get in there and put as much as possible in there. <laughs> like we we put it in whether it's not a match, we just put it in for them, mm-hmm. a percentage of their salary. And so we're like, look, get in there. And then I watch and I can see like I can see the back end of our 401k so I can see who's investing and who's not. And I'm like, we've been talking forever about how we want to teach an investing class to our team because mm-hmm. I want them doing yeah. it too, mm-hmm. right? So that everybody understands like this is how you get ahead. You work right? You do labor in exchange for money. And then you take some of that money and you buy an asset. And then that asset does the labor of increasing, right? And so you don't always have to work for every dollar. If you take a portion of your dollars and you put it into an asset form that can grow, you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody can do this, right? Whether you have a job, you're an entrepreneur or whichever, and it just needs to be ingrained in us because there's so much opportunity. And it's like, immediately, it's not going to make you rich tomorrow, but next year you're going to be like, oh, Look at this. Right. Yeah, yeah. I put in 20 grand. Now it's 40. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that you get excited, right? Because you can see what's happening and then think about, okay, let me do the math. If I put a bigger chunk in and it grows, then what? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets very, very exciting. And that's the, it, it goes back to our timeline to achieving financial independence. So when you think about retirement in the most traditional sense, most people put away 10 to 15% of their income in order to retire in 30 years or so. Right. But when you're thinking about fire, the more you put in, the sooner you get to that goal. And I think we should be talking a lot more about this when we're talking yes. to people about saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. So you can put in 10% and you're going to retire at 65. But if you put in 50%, you'll retire at 35 or 40. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we finally, like, when we realized that, it was like a light bulb went off. Yes. It was like the post You can't unknow it. You can't yeah. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute. The more I put in, the sooner I get to it. It's common sense, but we don't we don't realize that because we Because it's not what we're taught, it's yeah. not how we're socialized, yeah, yeah. right? Because right, the goal is to keep us as cogs in the machine, right? Mm-hmm. We've already opted out of the machine, everybody here, right? Yeah. Whether they've chosen to work for Hello Seven or <laughs> or be an entrepreneur, right? Like we've chosen an alternative path. And our team members, same thing, right? We've chosen an alternative path to like the traditional work at a big corporation. And, and work that system. And that's what they teach. You put a tiny bit in and that way you can be here till 65. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, thank you. Right. I want to, that way you're doing what you wanted. You're, you're showing up to do the work because you want to, not because you have to, right. right to get by. Yeah. So it's so magical. So to that end, tell us what life is like now. So you did the 10 years, right. And you know, for some of us, it will be a longer timeline for some of us. It probably could be a lot of shorter. There are folks here who are making millions of dollars a year. Right. And so there are people here who could be taking hundreds of thousand dollars yes. a year and putting it in an investment account and seeing big shifts happen really quickly if mm-hmm. that's what they want. So tell us what it's like on the other side. So we can be like, okay, wave from the other side and tell us what is it like over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's, 
no, I, because we get this question a lot, and we got this question when we told our coworkers, when we told our, our friends and family that we, we were quitting. And financial independence and retiring early, it's not about doing nothing. Mm-hmm. It's about having the ability to do anything. Yes. Right? So we wake up and having this ability to plan our days without the constraints of a nine to five, mm-hmm. it's so empowering. I can't tell you, there's never a boring day. Every night feels like Friday night and every day feels like Saturday. When you wake up in the morning, you're like, wow. I wake up at night. I know. I Listen, that 11. sounds pretty good. But <laughs> you, really, you really enjoy it. So we do a lot of traveling. We do a lot of mentorship. We can be present because we have bandwidth mentally, emotionally. You know, when we were working, I would come home from work and I would try my hardest to stay engaged with my daughters. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I got work tomorrow. I got to get some rest. Or, And then when I finally laid down, I would be laying down thinking about, Oh, I have to do a briefing tomorrow. And, and and all these things will be running through my mind about like, okay, I got to remember. When you're working, you're never off. You're right. always off. And so, the same thing as an entrepreneur, because yes. when you mm-hmm. run the business, you are, that business is in your head 24-7. Yeah. You are constantly thinking about the business, whether you have days off or not. Right. You're constantly solving problems, whether you have days off or not. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, so the mental rest. I think is, is very resonant, I think, for everybody here because you just, your business is just, it's your baby, right? And so you're constantly thinking about what's next for it, solving a problem that's coming up, thinking about the future of the business, et cetera, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it takes up a lot okay. of mental space for yeah. sure. I mean, I think also it's like, okay, so we have this freedom, uh, you know, this freedom in our head, you know, of like not constantly worrying about, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? But we have such a great, amazing set of friends here too, that it's like, I mean, every night we could go out, right? It's like, wait a minute, but are they fire people? Cause like, can they really hang out? So some of them are fire or some of them are working here remotely where it's like their hours are different, right? right. So people oh. are always going in and well, let's go out to this rooftop happy hour. Mm-hmm. You know, just last week, we, his friend from out of town came and we went to a a happy hour, this rooftop happy hour. We go out to brunch with friends. We go out to eat with friends. Now the beach is, you know, not as nice. They're not as warm, but we were going to the beach all the time. It's just like all of these are like this Thursday, I have a ladies brunch that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, there's kinds of stuff like, I was saying we live only a 10 minute walk from here. And so our oldest daughter plays basketball. So she'll jog around this area and I'm not the jogger. So me and my younger daughter will walk back and forth. Like every day we get to go out and we get to go for a walk. And it's like, it's so, you know, the opportunities that we have. We're we're, we're always doing something. We're traveling. We we still dabble in real estate. So we're always doing renovations and things like that. It's just that. That freedom. Yeah. yeah. You can choose what you want it's to do today. Yeah. Like, do I want to go paint that wall today? Or we're yeah. going to say, you know what? We're going to happy hour. We're going to have a lazy day today. <laughs> and then we'll paint this weekend. Right. You know exactly. I mean? like, exactly. Because there's no, like, I need to get the money out of this yeah. immediately. Yeah. So yeah. you get to, like, move at your own pace, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Yeah. That's amazing. One, like, mechanical question, because I think it's something, it's a question in my mind. I'm sure it's a question that they have, too, which is, well, how do you pay bills? <laughs> like so, like what is the mechanics of living off of your investments? Like, how do you get okay. the money and pay your bills? Yeah. <laughs> Where's that money come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to say the uh, the big three pay our bills: dividends, interest, and capital gains. That's how we pay our bills. And so, from these accounts, 
those three things. You can pull dividends, you can grab the interest, or you can sell stocks and, and pay your capital gains. And just like how you put money into your accounts through automatic investing two weeks or every month, you can have that money come right out and automatically. pay yourself. Yes. So, You're right, because when I invest in an index fund or any different investments that I have, it's always like, do you want to reinvest, reinvest the dividends? dividends? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But then when you get to retirement, you don't reinvest it. You're like, no, no, no. Send that my way. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's your paycheck. Yeah. And it's it can be different too, because we're talking right now, we're talking about investing in the stock market, right? But we also have Airbnb properties here. So if you have real estate properties, that's another form of income that's generating that you can, you can live off of that income as well. So there's different sort of ways to get to where you want, mm-hmm. you know, either pulling from the stock market or if you have real estate, pulling from your real estate income or doing a combination of both. But I think you asked earlier about, you know, pulling from your portfolio and the investment, does that, you're assuming that it continues to grow. Didn't you ask that earlier? No, oh, but I'm sorry. So I'll I'm like, did bigger you- purchases, like what if you want to buy like a bigger purchase? How do you pull it out? Oh, that's a good question. So for example, we just sold a house. We just sold a house here, right? And so ultimately we're going to be reinvesting that into a property here. And so what we did was we put a majority of that into a money market fund. So this is the thing too, when you're investing in the stock market, you have to be thinking long-term. Our investment, so because we sold our property here in Portugal, Portugal has a a leniency where you have three years to reinvest that three years to reinvest that into a property and avoid capital gains taxes, right? In the U.S., it's like months. Yeah. 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 We talked to someone who just was like, I just screwed up. I, you know, the sale didn't go through and I didn't get it. And I have to pay capital gains. And we're like, and we got three years for this. Right. Oh yeah. But at the same time, we're like, okay, we don't, we want to have access because maybe we don't take three years. Maybe what if we find something, you know, next month, we're going to want to have to access that money. So when you're thinking about investing in the stock market, you don't necessarily want to put money that you need short term into the stock market. Because what happens if the stock market, dips right when you want that money. You don't want to have to pull it out at a loss. Mm -hmm. So there's money market funds that invest in more secure type of investments. You know, it can be like a bond fund or, or different types of things within this fund where it's, or CDs, where it's a more stable return. It's a much lower return, but at the same time, it's stable so that you're not thinking, okay, if I want to pull this out in a month, I'm going to have, I could potentially have half of what I had. There's nothing like that. So we put that money into a money market fund so that we can access a large amount of money if we want to purchase our next house with it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your YouTube channel. At what point in the journey did you decide to start that? Oh, that's a good question. I'm curious, like, you know, was that like you were, you had retired or did you start it before you actually retired? What made you start it? And like, what makes you continue to keep it going? Because it's totally optional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the story. We we started the channel at the end of the journey. Okay. So it, it was, <laughs> we didn't want to like telegraph our past, telling people we were going to, we were going to quit. <laughs> the trainings would have went out the door, promotions. So it, was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things. Yeah. I think we were about a year and a half out of uh, pulling, you know, retiring. And so we, we started this YouTube channel inspired by one of our friends that said, you guys are always preaching about this stuff. You're always telling this and you should do a YouTube channel. And we knew absolutely nothing about YouTube. We didn't even really watch YouTube. And so when we went on there and we, we started we started sharing our story, so many people had, had questions and, and we were like, wait, how do you decide it? And our channel really grew off of 
off of off of the community. Right. And we had a relatively small channel. I think we were about at twenty thousand, and then we retired. We you know we quit our jobs. And we made that announcement, and everyone was like, "Wow, these people really did it." Like they're legit. Yeah, they right? yeah, they we just talk about friend. it. Yeah, it's like street friends. So, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and once we did that, our channel just exploded, and it was almost like when we when we were working, we were doing three videos a week. It was crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we retired, and now we only do one video a week. <laughs> And our channel, it just, it just, it just it keeps, keeps growing grow. and growing. And I think it's because people know that when we, when we get on there and talk, we talk about, you know, what we talked about earlier about how financial independence allows you all these benefits when you, when, when you have it. And as an entrepreneur, I guess we fall into entrepreneurship. It's allowed us to be more authentic. Yes. When we get mm-hmm. So when we get on there, people recognize that we're not trying to sell you NFTs or crypto or some of them. Yes. We're just saying if you're consistent, we're talking about mindset. Our channel has just, has just exploded. Yeah. And when we really started to be more intentional about it and say, okay, let's listen to the audience. They said, we, we want trainings. So it's okay. Let's do a training. We want, we want meetups. Now we have this amazing community of people that come to Portugal and hang out with us for five days. Mm-hmm. And we go from, from, from Lisbon all the way up to Porto. We drink, we have fun, <laughs> we just celebrate our achievements thus far, right? Yeah. It is such an amazing community. People have gotten jobs from, from, from these communities. Mm-hmm. People just leave just so inspired to, to take action. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love talking about that journey too, because Man, if you guys look at the very first video that we did, and then some, and then some. <laughs> I mean, even now, if you look, there's always room for improvement, right? But I think, like, our very first video was like, okay, we're going to sit on this for, I, it was probably less than two weeks, but it was still, like, pulling that plug of, like, okay, we have to put this up. We made it. We, but we have to expose ourselves to people. Yes. Of, like, you know maybe they, you know, think it's a weird video or, you know, it's like, there's going to be weird comments. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, if we would have been hindered by that, if we were just worried about, okay, what if people, you know, think I'm blinking too much or, you know, whatever it is, right? Right? You know, whatever weird thing maybe you do that you don't know that you do. If you don't, if you don't get past that, get past that thing that's holding you back mm. because you, even though you know that it could turn into something great, right? You can share this information. You can make these connections with people. Like Amon said, we had almost 500 people, around 500 people come visit us for these meetups here in Portugal, came mm. from all over the world, mm. right? But none of that would have happened had we not taken that step and said yeah. like, let's just do this. Let's just post it, right? And we're not... We're, we, we do not look for perfection when we do things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just unattainable, right? If I looked at everyone, I edit our videos. I think it's so much fun to like sit and edit and, and do videos. But if I was critiquing myself on everything that I did, like those videos would not go up. It would just be like a mon, you know, it'd be oh, like a cut video. <laughs> we, we give to others the love, you know, that we should also be giving to ourselves. Yes. And so it's like this point where you're like, you know, I'm so happy that we took that step, you yes. know, that we moved past that and said, like, this could be something way more amazing than, than if we don't do it at all. Yeah. So we just took that step and it's just been an incredible 
incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Journey. And I mean, like, I think your courses are amazing. They're so, they're very accessible in the way that you teach. You make it so clear and so easy and they're like short videos. So it's like easy to get through the content. And then the worksheets are amazing. Like the content is really good that you teach. And so that's my other question for you. So you have this huge audience how do you, like, I'm sure you get people telling you all the time, you know what y'all should do? <laughs> you know what would be a great idea? Right, right. You know, what I, you know how you can monetize this audience yeah. even more, right? Yeah. I just started a podcast that's literally all about the, this idea of monetizing the content that you're creating, right? And so I'm so curious for you, how do you keep yourself from saying yes to every business idea that you have? Because I'm sure you have ideas every day, right? That if you took action on all of them, then you wouldn't necessarily have as much flexibility anymore or like partnerships or things that you're pitched, you know, how do you keep yourself in this retirement mode and not taking advantage of everything that's out there for you? Yeah. I think that's one of the amazing things about financial independence, right? You don't need to take something if you don't want to take something, Mm -hmm. right? And so again, Aman was talking about being authentic and saying like, you know, is this a relationship that we want to curate with somebody? Is this something that, yes. is this a person we're interested in? Yeah. Oh, Rachel, we're interested in meeting you. We, we love your vision, what you're doing, right? But someone else comes to us. Like we've had people that are way bigger than us that have millions of, of followers that have reached out to us and said, Hey, we want you to come speak in our podcast. We want you to do this or whatever. And we're just, we said, no, you know, we're retired. We sort of, we don't want to do it because, you know, to be honest, those people that are brand, I, I can think of two people specifically, two different groups. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. We want that too. <laughs> They don't align. Their thinking doesn't align with ours. Yes. And so I think that when you have that financial independence and you're not saying like, oh, I need this sponsorship money. I need to go collaborate with this person. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. You water down your authenticity because it's like, why are you doing something with Yeah, this you got to find a way to make yeah. it work. You yeah. got to do mental Olympics, yeah. right? Right, right. <laughs> so for us, it's like, okay, do, do we find this as like, this would be a really fun challenge to do this type of thing with someone and we're looking for that or, or do we want to meet this person? And like, you know, could we see ourselves having a relationship with this person in the future? So we look at like, do we want to, would we want to have coffee with this person? Yes. Right? Do we want to hang out with yeah, them? Exactly, or I'm going to be running exactly. screaming. Or are you like, okay, <laughs> I got to go. Now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like that, where you're looking exactly. at the time, like, somebody call me, please. Get me out of here. Right. I'm just going to go to the bathroom real quick, right? And then you're, you're gone. Right. What is that, an Irish exit? Yeah. <laughs> just disappear. Leave your jacket. Yeah, like, yeah, you got to yeah. commit. Okay? Sacrifice the jacket to right, get out right. of there. <laughs> But then you don't have to do that, which yeah. is so exciting. Exactly. But exactly. do you ever have, do y'all ever have ideas that you're like, man, that's a good idea, but mm, might take up too much of our time. Yeah. Oh my you, goodness. Aman has a, a really fun idea and I'm like, that would be fun. But, oh, oh you're talking, okay, wait, I think I know what you're well, talking about. There was one. Oh, yeah. we'll give you two examples because I is, think I know what This, this is what about. happens with me. I, I have these ideas <laughs> and as I start to go down, go down the, the rabbit hole, I'm like, mm, that's too much work. <laughs> Right. For real. So, so, I, and, and and I love giving the ideas away. I, I have an idea that I'm not going to use it. You you take it. So, uh, I love it. It's like make it happen. Work for make it happen. Put in so, that work. I'm going to throw this out here, and I, I hope someone does it at, at some point. 
but you know, I wanted to start a uh, a black wine label here. In, in oh, listen, right? I will invest so in it's that. Like, I don't <laughs> we can get that popping right now. <laughs> somebody, some, somebody, 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 do that. Yeah. And we even went down the road of looking at a commercial space. These are both the examples, right? Uh, we negotiated yeah, yeah. the commercial space. We were going to sign the lease the next day. It was a beautiful space, and then we said. Nah, that's too much. <laughs> I absolutely so, love it. So I, oh but then we told someone I said, you should, you should, you should get on. We Listen, we've already negotiated it. It's a great space. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you just setting up pits for other people to <laughs> right. get the home run. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like what you said, like, especially with this, this commercial space, because I love like events and planning and bringing people together. And I was like, Oh, we can have like, you know, on Mondays we'll have this and on Friday, why don't we have brunches? You know, like all these like things where I'm like, oh, it's a great opportunity to bring people together. And then the night before, Amon's like, are you sure? (laughs) It's work, right? Like, are you going to do this yourself or are we going to bring in staff? Like, yeah, you know, and then we thought, and then that's when we pulled back because we're like, you know what? The idea, we love it. But maybe someone else has to do it. You know, like maybe it's too much work to put in for what, you know, it will take too much time for all the other stuff that yeah. we want to do. And yes. so it didn't work out, but it was again, a fun exercise though. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love, and, and it's just, you know, in spirit, we're entrepreneurs, right? Yes. But in reality, we don't want to be. <laughs> I feel you. Listen, these are the conversations with that we have with Brittany. I have with Brittany all the time, who's the president of my company. And so like, I'm like, Ooh, I have this great idea. Wouldn't this be great? And she listens and she's like, mm-hmm, that sounds awesome. Yeah. That'd be so fun. And like, she listens to me talk about it. And then she's like, are you sure? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I think it'll be, it's worth at least trying. And she's like, okay. And then she like starts looking like she's about to start writing notes. And I'm like, okay, about to kill this plan. <laughs> she's like, well, what about this? Have you thought about this part? And who would do that? And how many times a week would you be available to do that thing? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Never mind. Thank you. It's like your conscience, right? Exactly. Like, Shut it down. Are you sure? Exactly. We're not going to get to yes on that one. Exactly. You got to like save me from myself. Right, please. right. But I love that idea of the black wine label. I love the idea of the commercial space. It's like you want these things to exist. And so I do think there is this interesting pathway that I hope more of us will start to explore, which is like, could we partner with an operator who maybe is at the beginning of their journey and really hungry and ready to put in work, right. who is interested in like taking that challenge on and being like, yes, I want to do it. I mean, it still won't take up space because you're an owner in it, but like, can we be like silent investors in some things, yeah, you know, to yeah. help make things happen where we can put our dollars behind it, but we don't necessarily have to put all our time and maybe some advising, right. But not I'm in charge of it on a day-to-day basis, right? That's an incredible idea, you know, because it's like you can see your vision flourish, but not necessarily with the work entailed if you're doing it yourself, right? (laughs) Like being a backer to someone and like providing that mentorship. But like you said, someone who's in that hustle mode of like, you know, because we were really in the hustle mode on our fire journey. And now we're like, we got there. Let's, you know, now we're done. Find people that are are, are ready to hustle. (laughs) Listen, that is a word. Enough is enough is a word. Because that's something, it's like we live in a society where it's like, it's never enough. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so now I'm running an eight figure business. Mm -hmm. My husband said to me, he's like, well, what are your goals? What do you want? I'm like, I can't think of a single thing that I want. Wow. Like I truly cannot. Yeah. 
I don't, there's nothing that I want. I don't mm-hmm. care. Like I have a fabulous wardrobe. I don't feel like I need to add really all that much to it. Although you probably will see me shop. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I see something that gets me excited, yes, but I'm not actively looking to, there's like, I go on the vacations I want to go on. Mm. Like, and now it's so funny. It's like my vacations have gotten less fancy. <laughs> they were getting so fancy for a while. And now I'm like, now we're going on some whale tent thing on the beach in Mexico to see whales up close. And it costs 2,500 bucks. You know what I mean? And we're going to stay in a tent, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay the extra 300 bucks to have my own bathroom. <laughs> so, and my bathroom, that, right? I mean, like a camp toilet, basically, or some shit. So like, <laughs> now it's it's like now I just want the these experiences. Yeah, it's yes. not really about it all being fancy. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it almost creates this freedom of like I have the money to do that, but do I want to do that? Yeah, you yeah. know, do I want to spend my money on that? Like it's so funny. I've been wanting to go to St. Bart's for two years for my birthday, okay. and this happened to me two years in a row. And I'm like, they got me again. <laughs> so the first year I wanted to plan this trip. And I started down the path of planning it. And then I'll tell you why in a second. I didn't go through with it. Then the second time, I was like, you know what? I messaged my friend Robert. I I messaged our friend Susan, like our little group. And I'm like, my treat. We go on to St. Bart's for my birthday. Okay. I'm getting a little like house and it's going to be fabulous. And like, you know, it's going to be a great time. And it's, it's on me. You just get yourself there. So I'm going to sign the contract. They send me the contract. And I was like, this number seems strange. It's a very large. I was like, is that insurance? <laughs> what, is, what is this number? <laughs> I thought that the nightly rate was the weekly rate. <gasps> okay. So I thought it was like 10 or 15 grand or something like that for the week. Oh and it's 15 goodness. grand a night. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and this is the second time I have tried to plan a trip to St. Bart's oh, no. and confuse the nightly rate oh, for the week. My and I was like, never mind. I'm basic. <laughs> I'm not on y'all's level. Let me say my ass right on the island that I'm already on. St. Bart's ain't for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Second time in a row. I was like, how did I do this again? I was so mad that they got me again. Wow. <laughs> Two different venues. It is St. Mark's oh is very expensive. <laughs> but I was like, listen, could I spend that money? I can. Yeah. I don't want right. to. Right. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go on a hundred grand vacation. Yeah. Like it's just that's too much to blow in a week. Yeah. I ain't on that level yet. Uh-uh. I would rather take that hundred, put it in my Charles Schwab account, and that just watch it. Fun. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome. I love it. Well, one last thing that I'll share is that with an audience like that, I'm sure like all of us in here would be like, give me that audience because we about to sell software. <laughs> we about to sell. We sell more courses. We got all kinds of things. <laughs> all kinds of programs will be selling all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So have you thought about that? Like, uh, like for example, y'all could create the, the mint for fire people, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the daily financial software yeah, yeah. for fire people, especially with the audience like yeah. that, it'd probably make a million dollars in a day. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, okay. So good. What, what ideas you got? This is brainstorming time. No. <laughs> uh, no, we did. We have thought about creating an app, not necessarily like a budgeting mint app, but something more similar to our 365 program. Yes. Um, like, you know, having these all that material yes. to like help you build into your plan of doing like what we talk about is like, if you can start structuring your days where there's just a little tiny bit of time you set aside for 
learning about financial literacy, you know, developing your financial literacy or learning about investing or, you know, taking some time to calculate your fire number, just small amounts of time. It's like a micro habit, right? Of I could just take some time. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast today. Maybe I'll do this. And that's sort of like our program, right? And we thought maybe we could develop an app that's, that's sort of geared towards idea. that. I love that. Having seen the program. So the program is 365 days of fire. So mm-hmm. every day you do one task right? It's like you get these 30 days of tasks, right? For the month. And there's a theme for the month. And every day you do a small task that takes you towards your fire journey. Right. So in an app, that would be brilliant. Yeah. So we've thought, we've thought about that. And of course, you know, this it's a, you know, a process. Yeah. <laughs> We're at the thinking stage. For, yes. We've been there for a while. So that you need that hungry app developer. <laughs> yeah. that exactly. Wants to do the work. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. You'll be the face of it. Yeah. They yeah, do right, the work. Right. You, you give them the brilliance. Yeah. Right? They, they make it all happen. Yeah. <laughs> Our meetings will be on the beach though. You have to come meet us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. With cocktails. Yeah. And right. <laughs> or on a rooftop. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, thank you so much. This yeah. was so amazing. Oh, was this helpful, forever. y'all? Yeah. And I didn't give y'all question time. Do y'all, uh, does anybody have a burning question we didn't cover? Okay. So everyone always talks about retirement. feels really long-term. It's not something I really wanted to use my money towards. Like I have investment accounts, have financial advisors, all those things. Well, like I want money now to play with. So how do you do that? Invest in these index, index funds and do all that, but still get to like buy a house or buy a car or like mm-hmm. have life yeah. before you retire. It's really all the budgeting, right? So it's almost that idea of like, I mean, like specific to accounts. Like I don't want to spend money. Like we have like friends <laughs> to buy a house. So we've been putting it all in a savings account because we wouldn't be able to use it. Worried that if you put it in, like a brokerage account or something you can't touch it. Are you allowed to touch things? Oh, still invest. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So yes, you are allowed to touch things. <laughs> what I would say is, you know, like for the house, I think you've got a great plan. You've got money set aside into a savings account, right? Like we were talking about our, us doing a money market fund. It's like you're having it in more secure money, <laughs> but let's say you didn't have a savings account. You were still just consistently investing in your stock market. It doesn't mean you can never pull from it, right? The, ideally, you don't want to pull from it when it's down. Right. right. But if you're saying, I want to buy a house, a house is another form of an investment, right? It's right. like you invest in stocks, you invest in real estate. So it's okay to pull from a real estate investment to invest in a house. You're just switching assets. It's still an investment, but you want to make sure that you have some flexibility because if you find a house and you have it in the stock market, for example, and the stock market drops, mm-hmm. then you don't really want to transfer that money, right? Yeah. And so you sort of have to play around with like, what is your plan? Like, how are you going to access money? What do you need that money for? Do you want it for a house? Do you want it for vacation? Do you want it for these things? And then you also have to understand the re- repercussions of everything you do, right? You put your money into the savings account. That's great because it's secure. You're not having that flexibility. If you put it into the stock market, you have to understand the repercussions of maybe wanting to get access to money when the stock market's down mm-hmm. or pulling that money. And then you have a smaller account that now you're working on building that compound interest again and growing that account even more. But if you think about it with a plan of saying, these are the things I want short term. So I'm going to put these money into these accounts or I want to have this type of experience. I'm going to put my money into this type of account that I can access and just know where all of your money is going. And then ultimately you may decide, yeah, I'm going to, the stock market's doing amazing. I'm going to take out, 
some, you know, some profits from that and invested in a house or invested in an experience. But it's all about outlining how you want to spend your money and then ultimately where you're going to access your accounts in order to spend that money. You know how the accounts work. Yes. Exactly. And then you have exactly. money. Yeah, right. You have money aside for a house mm-hmm. and then you have money aside for your f- long-term future, right? Mm-hmm. So you can have a short-term account and a long-term account. Yeah. 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 What was your question, Jacqueline? It was kind of on that term too. So like we recently moved to Los Angeles and like mm-hmm. 70 years. So, <laughs> so we also want to buy a house. That's probably a huge chunk of the money that we're going to make in the short term mm-hmm. versus being able to start to do that. So we do have a financial advisory. It's like 1%. The way he has it set up right now is like all of our money is like liquid in a way that we could save. And so it's like, we're on a plan, a three-year plan to buy a certain price house. Mm-hmm. So with this fire situation, I have a high fat fire number, like probably like 50 million. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, in like the amount of working time that I have left, think about buying a multi-million dollar home, living that life in Los Angeles and saving up $50 million. You know, like it's a, it feels so big. Mm-hmm. So is it like Rachel's way or it's like, go make more money and then like, yeah. put- well, it's not just that, right? right? So it's make more money, but also think about like selling the business. And that was one of the questions mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, like your business is also an asset, right? And so that's why we teach you at Hello7, we are very, very committed to teaching you how to build a business that is an asset you can sell. That's why we talk about having a team, having a management system, right? Like having a scalable offer, all of those things, because then the business is an asset separate from you. You have to work in the business for it to function. It has less value, right? So if you're an owner operator, you can sell it for one to three X the revenue, right? But if you have a team, you can sell it for like three to five X the annual revenue. Mm-hmm. If you have a management team, now you're talking like five to 10 X mm-hmm. the annual revenue you can get for your business because you have a team who's leading that business and it's not all dependent on you. Mm-hmm. So that's why like, so if, if your number is really big and if your business is where you're investing most of your time and most of that money is going to come from, then you have to think about, okay, am I building an asset what is going to make this attractive to a buyer who would want to come along and buy this business? Who, what kinds of buyers would want to buy this business? And then start to Christina's point, have a plan for how you are moving this business, moving yourself and not being the face, having it have its own brand and moving it towards something that can be acquired. And then that acquisition provides you with a good chunk, maybe not all of it, maybe all of it. So then you're saying like, okay, so if I want to be able to get 5x my revenue, I need to get it up to 10 million in annual revenue. And when we hit 10 million, I'm going to sell it with the goal of getting somewhere between 30 to 50 million. That's a huge chunk of that number. Right. And then, you know, then you've got time, or maybe you say, I only want to sell if I can hit my fire number, you know? And so just figuring out what that looks like. Yeah. We did a combination of things. So we were setting aside money into the, into the stock market just from our income. Right. But then we had these, we had these real estate deals that gave us these big windfalls. Yeah. So whenever we, we had a huge chunk of money, we, we knew exactly where to put it towards our fire number. So I think, I mean, you really have to be, you have to look at it holistically, but you should always be putting that money aside for your long-term goals. Right. Cause let's say your, let's say your business fails and you, you know, you don't want to have it's almost like investing in in one asset, one individual stock. So and if you're nothing banking, else. yeah, if you're if you're just banking on selling your business in order to achieve financial independence, you know that's very very risky. You got to put that money aside. You have to put some money aside into the, the stock market or into other assets. One of the reasons why we feel so secure in our financial independence is because we have a diverse 
portfolio, mm-hmm. right, of assets. We just don't have investments in, in the stock market. We also have real estate. We also have, you know, income that was being generated from our from our other businesses as well. So, and we're not, we're not involved in those businesses. But I think it's important to look at it from a holistic approach and have multiple things going on. Yes, same. I'm invested in all of those asset classes, and I'm also invested in tech startups, which are more risky. And, you know, they're all like, there's one that's the riskiest, there's one that has huge, huge potential, but it's also risky. And then there's one that's pretty safe because of how long they've been in business. So it's like, and so that's money that will eventually be able to go into that pot, right? When they, when that business sells or IPOs, right? And so those are different asset classes that I'm in, real estate, also stock market, and then also Hello7, right? So you can, you got to diversify. It's an important part of it. Yeah. A part, part of the journey yeah. to make sure yeah, all your money isn't just in your business. Some of it, you're pulling out and putting in other mm-hmm. classes. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question, and then we're going to wrap up because I think we got to go to lunch. <laughs> I also would tell you when you're looking at a house, go ahead and contact a real estate agent. Can you find a house where over a set number of years you can put like some investments into it because it is an asset? So then, as part of your plan, you can make like a million to two million. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like you could buy it in an up and coming neighborhood, mm-hmm. or you can buy a really like I did this it, twice. I bought the wackest, most broke down house in the the baddest neighborhood ever, right? (laughs) And so it's like, there's a lot of work to be done over time. But then when you do that work, there's a huge upside. Mm -hmm. So it's like being strategic, right? So that it aligns, like what you purchased aligns with your plan. (laughs) Multiplies the asset. My question was on those terms. I'm really interested in international real estate and adding that to our portfolio. Um, Allison, my wife, and I really like Spain or Italy, but I know Portugal allows more of that. So just what should be on our radar as far as looking at international properties and, and how that works? If you want that as part of our fire plan. Yeah. So, you know, when you uh, invest abroad, I think one of the things that a lot of foreign investors are one of the biggest challenges is, are the changing laws and regulations. Okay. So one of the things that's happening right now, especially in Portugal, Spain, and, and I think a, a lot of these Southern European countries, is that prices are going up so high that it's not becoming affordable for the locals. And they're seeing foreign investors like, oh, they're trying to make it harder for them to get involved. So that's your biggest issue when you're in, in investing a, abroad is understanding what the regulation and the investment climate is like for foreign investors. Yes. And you can find an opportunity that aligns what is helpful to the locals and actually what would benefit you as well. Like in Puerto Rico, there's this huge opportunity. They're trying to make hospitality a bigger part of their GDP. And so they will give you investment. Like they will give you huge tax incentives to buy like something that you turn into a bread and bed and breakfast. They're trying to get more hotel rooms available on the island. Right. Basically. So like not necessarily short term rentals, they're going to give you money for an Airbnb. But if you set up a little like small boutique hotel, or bed and breakfast type situation, they give you a massive tax incentive to do that because they know it's in their interest. It's in their part of their economic plan to bring more tourism to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're trying to do. So you can get that huge advantage, right? And be contributing in a way that Puerto Rico is asking you to contribute. And so then you're aligned. So I think if you do research, you can find those opportunities yeah. where there's alignment there. And then it makes sense. Because you know, through agents or 
economic folks or yeah, I, you know, the agents aren't really going to get you there. Unless, I feel like you got to know people there. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> you, you really have to connect with local investors, people that are people that are involved in that. And there's investment groups. There's there, there's networks. and there's YouTube channels there's too. YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned actually what I just shared with you. I learned on a YouTube channel and then had it confirmed by locals. Yes. So <laughs> great question. All right, thank you so oh, much. Hey, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned so much. I hope you took notes and I hope you plan to go take action on some of what was shared by Christina and Aman during this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review. It makes such a difference in helping our podcast get discovered by more people who want to learn how to become a billion dollar creator. And we will see you next time. And don't worry, Nathan will be back next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Billion Dollar Creator. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave us a review. Reread every single one. If there is a company you want us to profile on Billion Dollar Creator, send us a message on social media and we will consider it. Thank you and we will see you next time. Bye.